All right. We are now recording. For those who are curious in this room, we are in Luke chapter 6, starting with verse 1, steadily making our way through all of the gospel narratives this year. So verse 1, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands and eat their kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, what are you doing? Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the Lord is the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he went to the synagogues and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them all and then said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so and his hand was completely restored, but they were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. All right. Um, Let's start with the second one. So we have Jesus in a synagogue. They're looking for him to do something stupid so they can start to accuse him, start to bring charges against him, um, which may or may not lead to his death at this point. Probably not to his death. He has not really caused enough of an uproar um, that they're probably thinking about that yet, but they are looking to get him in line. Um, so Jesus is is particularly shrewd right now. Um Because one of the Ten Commandments, obviously, is that you would remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. For six days a week would you toil, and on the seventh day you are not to work, yada, yada. We've talked before about how what it is that they do is not only, like, that's a very broad command. So the question would be, okay, so what does it mean not to work on the Sabbath? And so they've developed all sorts of things. Um, Some of them are part of the 613 Levitical laws that they need to keep. Some of them are, um, you'll remember, there's another layer of um, tradition and ritual uh, that are called fences. So different, um, sort of like the different sects of Judaism will have additional laws in addition to the 613 that are called fences that are meant to be a buffer around. um, So it's like, so I don't break this thing. I'm not going to break this law which means I'm going to create all of these buffers around it to make sure that I'm at least 10 feet away from even coming close to breaking a law. Um, so one of, one of these groups would start counting how many steps they could take on the Sabbath. Um, and what Jesus does here, very shrewdly, um, so one of the laws was you can't heal on the Sabbath, or one of the fences was you can't heal on the Sabbath. A healing happens on the Sabbath, but what is ambiguous is how it happens. Um, you'll notice that Jesus doesn't say, which is actually uncommon for him, you're healed. Um, he doesn't say, um, your faith has healed you. He doesn't say, stand up and walk for your faith has healed you. He doesn't say all, all the things that he typically says. He's, everything that he commands the man to do is actually completely in line with both the laws and the fences that the Pharisees are going to build. So the man is allowed to stand up. The man is allowed to stretch out his arm. Like everything that Jesus is doing is t- 
technically, this is the irony, right? It's technically within the letter of the fences in the law, but is it not, but is not in keeping with the spirit of the purpose of the fences of the law. The irony being all of the fences weren't keeping in line with the spirit of the law to begin with. So like Jesus double inverts it. It's like really funny, like not haha funny. It's, you know, interesting, funny. Um, much like the my transmission blowing out last week was not haha funny, but when you see the comedy of errors that it represents to our family, it's more interesting funny. Um, but he gets at the spirit in verse 9 of what the Sabbath is. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? Like the purpose of the Sabbath is recreation, that you would be recreated um, physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. That is the whole point of the Sabbath. It is a day of play, a day of creation, a day of enjoying the very best things. It's the closest to Eden that we're going to get, this side of actually returning to a recreated Eden. Um, and he's like, so last I checked, healing, probably a good thing, if that's what the point of the Sabbath is. But I love like the shrewdness of Jesus not to actually do the thing that they're going to like slap his hand for so much as just to irritate them. Their, res- their response is this, but they were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. Remember, they're looking to accuse him, but he didn't give them anything that they could like straight up accuse him with. It just it really, really basically pissed them off pretty bad. Um, we might off that pissed off thing on I just I just said again we won't so <laughs> I've now said it twice or three times I don't know <laughs> um, second one which is there, there's a lot going on here um, you've got Jesus going through a grain field he and the disciples are picking grain they're rubbing their hands together they're eating the grain you've got this group of people that's really irritated and is like look at you you're breaking the Sabbath Um, which seems a little silly. Like they're on a walk and as they're walking, they're picking up the grain and like basically popping some popcorn into their mouth. Um, You're going to eat on the Sabbath. There's nothing wrong with eating on the Sabbath. Uh, There are ways to eat well, like within keeping of the spirit of the Sabbath and ways that you could destroy that. Um, This seems to be keeping in line with it. And when some of the Pharisees come to him and like, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus is like, hey, haven't you read how David and his companions are walking through the fields? They're doing this, that, and the other. Then they eat the consecrated bread, which is only lawful for priests. Um, and then he says, and the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now, we've talked about this before, but I'll, Bethany and Randy were not here, so we'll do this again. Um, the companions that Jesus is talking about here that uh, are with David are what are called David's mighty men. And we're not going to go to the actual thing. We went through it last time. But the, the way that it breaks down is that David, as he's running from Saul, has gathered like a small band of people around him who are, I mean, like the Xena warrior princess version of like, I mean, they're like pretty, yeah, like they're awesome. So like. If you, if you read, like, the descriptions of these, it'll be like, hey, this Egyptian with the spear was coming at this one guy, and as the guy's about to strike him, he takes the spear, snatches it out of his hand, and, like, stabs the Egyptian with it. Um, there's this one guy who killed a thousand people. Um, 
you have this other guy who, I mean, like, like it gives like these heroic feats that feel like they're they're fit for a three hundred movie, um, and it's pretty amazing. And so, like, they have this like reputation, like David's Mighty Men have this reputation about like, like what incredible warriors they are, and that reputation only grows with time. Um, so you read the stories, which are pretty incredible in and of themselves, but like with all things, um, like. As you like the myth and the folklore of them would just like grow over time. Like Paul Bunyan was a real person, and he could really do some amazing things with an axe. But add 150 years of time, and suddenly Paul Bunyan is eight feet tall, and like he can fell trees with one swing of an axe. And like none of that is true. But like it's in keeping sort of with the spirit of who they were. Um, Jesus is drawing a very specific analogy here, where he's saying. Like, in the story, like, I am to David as the disciples are to the mighty men. Uh, And so he's like, look, you have got David who all of you revere. You all think David is like the bee's knees. The Messiah is going to come from David. David is the one that you keep talking to. When are we going to be restored to the times of David? And he had these guys that were like the mighty warriors and look at them like the guy that you say is the guy everyone should be modeled after he broke the sabbath in the sense that he ate consecrated bread like that's way worse than going through a grain field and you have no issue with that you're a bunch of hypocrites but this is also for his disciples where it's like look if i'm like david who does that make you like the mighty men um and very soon, like we, we taught about this on Sunday, but we're going to be hitting Luke chapter 9, and we're about to see like the types of mighty men and women they're about to become. Um, he's about to send them out, and they're about to do some stuff. Um, in the same way that the mighty men that David is, is hanging out with, like they do stuff apart from David. It's not just they're with David and they do David's stuff. And so one of the things I think for, just for us to think about today is like we are those mighty men and women. Um, We may not be snatching spears out of the hands of Egyptians and stabbing the Egyptian, um, which is gruesome and probably not in keeping with the law of love that Jesus sets into action. I don't know. I mean, who's to say? Maybe we can talk about that as a contemporary question at the next midside. Um, But, like, we are are doing battle. Uh, we are at war. We are engaging with an enemy. We are representing the king in the same way that the mighty men were representing a king, in the same way that the disciples were representing Jesus when they were sent out. Um, and the idea when we read Hebrews 11 uh, is that those feats of faith um, are actually going to be more important, um, that we are, we are in a time um, where the enemy, has, the enemy has been defeated but is not completely um, put to bed yet. And so we are still in a time where feats of faith are being recorded. They will be remembered. Uh, we may not be known as the mighty men or the mighty women, but maybe we'll have a moniker that's even better. Who knows? That's not why we do it. Um, but I think the point is that's how there's an understanding. Like when you have the power of God on you, um, it isn't your power that is going gonna, is gonna to be doing those things. But there should be an understanding of yourself as it relates to who God says that you are. And that gives you confidence, not because you're awesome, but because he is. And so today, we should live as mighty men and women.